Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another Bastards Red Sox Hot Stove Edition of the podcast. About 48 hours ago, the Red Sox completed a trade with the St. Louis Cardinals. Red Sox will receive Tyler O'Neill, and then they sent two low-level minor league prospects. One of them uh, was Nick Robertson, who we acquired in the Kike Hernandez deal. So not uh, certainly not a trade where we're, uh, you know, looking back on who we gave up. Very inconsequential there. Uh, then in the second half, we will talk about Shohei Otani, who broke baseball with his record-breaking $700 million deal. Uh, that he will be signing with the Los Angeles Dodgers. It makes the second highest contract of all time, Mike Trout's deal, $425 million, look like a minor league contract. But we'll be getting into that in the second half. With me tonight, Nick Face, Charlie Smith. We'll start with Nick. How are you? Crazy time of the year. I know it is for a lot of different people, but one day at a time, we make the magic happen. I hope everybody liked the Buddy the Elf costume from Friday's YouTube show that we did with the Tyler O'Neill YouTube show. So the best is still yet to come. Yeah, Nick wearing normal attire tonight. If you I want am. the Elf costume version, go over to our YouTube channel. And um, yeah, he does have the hat handy, actually. Also with us, Charlie Smith. Charlie, how are you? Uh, the sun is shining. It's a um, pretty interesting feeling on the West Coast and hearing that a player made more than 440, 50, 500, 550, 600, 625, 650, 700 million dollars. It doesn't even feel real. It feels like a it feels like a video game. Like it's not real. I mean, you live right there in L.A. I'd almost be worried about my property taxes going up after that one. Like, geez. You know, the president of the United States was here in California yesterday, which caused havoc on the highway and, and you know, basically any drive you had. So luckily for me, I didn't have to deal with any of that stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, basically the, uh, you know, I'm curious what tickets are going to go for at Dodger Stadium now. I'm guessing six grand or something stupid, you know. I was seeing memes that were saying like hot dogs would be 300 bucks a piece. Beer would be. Saw the same. <laughs> yeah. Get your $500 beer, $500 Coors Light here. Come and get it. Yeah, I think it's a lot of Bud Light in Southern California, though. Just guessing. Probably. Just guessing. Yeah, probably. You're good. 100% right. Come <laughs> on, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's uh, get the politics out of here. Um, all right, so uh, let's get into the Tyler O'Neill trade. Uh, I'm going to eviscerate it here in a minute, but uh, let's start off with Nick. What were your thoughts? So the big thing with me is you needed some sort of a right-handed bat that's going to have some power if you move on from Adam Duvall. I mean, we all know the whole outfield situation. You dealt Alex Verdugo. We're too left-handed heavy. So you needed some sort of an alternative here on what was happening from the right side. A lot of us wanted either uh, Guriel, who's another name that's still out there, or Teoscar Hernandez, another name that was out there as well. Well, doesn't look like the, either of those two 
quote unquote sexy names will be coming here. It's going to end up being Tyler O'Neill. It's another one of those. I feel like dollar store general kind of things where it's a bargain. It's a let's take a chance. Let's roll the dice. Let's see what happens here. And let's put lightning in a bottle or catch lightning in a bottle here and hope this guy is healthy and can produce. My biggest fear with this move is that because of the injury history with the back and everything else that he's dealt with, I don't want this to be Alan Craig 2.0. If you remember Alan Craig, the Red Sox, and that was done with Ben Sherrington at the time. I think it was 2014, right after the World Series and everything, is when the move was made where the Red Sox thought it would be such a great idea to add some right-handed thunder to the lineup with Alan Craig. The guy couldn't even walk up to home plate. Didn't even do a damn thing. And he wore number five, like putting a legendary Nomar Garcia power number into that, put Alan Craig in that just irked me in so many different ways. So my biggest thing here with the O'Neill move is if this guy is healthy, could be okay. This is not supposed to be a starting player. This is a bench piece. It's your fourth outfielder. If he produces, I think we all would be happy with it. But I think there's too much for me of a concern with this move with where the team is heading I just get Alan Craig vibes so much from this. And with the Cardinals, the Red Sox have had a history with them where when the Cardinals give up on a player, I'm even going to put Edgar Renteria into the play here. Cardinals gave up after him in 2004 and said, go to free agency. We're all done. We're all done. We're going to move on. Well, the Cardinals also had a game plan and they knew that they were done with Alan Craig and the Red Sox elected to go and trade and to bring him here. And it ended up being for nothing. So that's where I'm sitting on what Tyler O'Neill is to me right now being a Red Sox. Charlie. There is so much to tear apart on that. So I'm going to be brutal, but I think a different kind of brutal from Terry. Because Terry prefaced it with a here's the bad news kind of thing without without a Bud Light in his hand. That's here. my line. So so here here's the bad news with that take, Nick. The similarity between Alan Craig and Tyler O'Neill ends with was a St. Louis Cardinal, became a Boston Red Sox. That is it. There are no similarities between the two. Alan Craig, like you said, couldn't walk. Injury did not happen as a result of being with the Boston Red Sox. Tyler O'Neill was discarded as garbage in St. Louis, was being called out by his own manager. He was, at that point, it didn't matter what he did, he was already checked out. I'm going to talk about a reclamation project that you guys possibly have forgotten. Adrian Beltre came to the Boston Red Sox on a one-year deal. Everyone thought he was washed at 30 years old. Tyler O'Neill is two years younger. You talk about Tyler O'Neill being the fourth outfielder and a bench piece. Who are your outfielders? You just got rid of Verdugo. You have... Okay, so you got rid of Verdugo, so you have right field open. Abreu could come in, sure. We already know we got the speedster in center field. I don't think anyone's taking that position. And then you think Yoshida's going to sacrifice left field? I don't think so. No. So I think you've got Tyler O'Neill as your regular everyday right fielder. I'm going to keep going. 
When Adrian Beltre came to Boston, again, discarded, then put together one of the best seasons he'd ever put together, period, as a member of the Red Sox, and then flipped that into a ridiculous contract with the Texas Rangers where he ended up playing for the next seven, eight years. I forget how many years he was there. Then the other one, Edgar Renteria. That one just didn't work out. He wasn't garbage because the following year, he became an all-star with Atlanta. And, and if I'm not mistaken, ended up being a World Series MVP on another team, that being the Giants. Edgar Renteria, absolute mess in Boston. Was he garbage? For us, yes. For other teams, no. Tyler O'Neill very well could be, and, and I'm going to preface this right now and say because of what we've seen so far, Tyler O'Neill may be the biggest Red Sox signing before 2024. And I know that's going to hurt because of what we're seeing players get 700 million. Mike and I were talking about, we're hoping that, you know, 250, 230, something like that ends up being all it takes for Yamamoto. It could exceed 300 million. If that happens, do you really think the Boston Red Sox are going to say, yes, we're willing to do that? Honestly, right now, do either one of you two think that the Boston Red Sox would shell 300 plus million dollars for a starting pitcher? They should, I, I, in his case. They should, but I don't think it's going to happen. They should, but they won't. So if it exceeds, if, if the deal ends up coming out to $280 million, $300 million, something like that, the Red Sox are 100%, and I'll, and I'll be the first one to volunteer my answer being absolutely wrong. The Red Sox aren't going to get him. There's already been uh, multiple reports that Steve Cohen of the New York Mets had already flown out to Japan and said, this is my top priority. I want to get him. Soto went to the Yankees. We need to do something. Facts are facts. We are not playing like a big market team. We are not going to get big market players. Tyler O'Neill right now can't possibly do worse than what he did last year. Two years ago, the guy had 30 home runs and was cracking it, 34 home runs, 80 RBIs, hit 286. The numbers in 2022, significant drop. Last year, played in less games, was able to do more with batting, get on base a little bit better, the sluggage was a little bit better, the home runs came down, RBIs obviously came down, didn't even play half the season, was basically a platoon player. I'm curious to know what could happen. No one can say he's only had one year. That's been good. He's only played more than 70 games, excuse me, 75 games, twice so really that's not fair to tyler o'neill when everything seems to be going wrong for the boston red sox i don't think we can afford to say that this one is going to be bad already because if this one's bad then what i i i preface this on my last the last episode that i did how many wins do the bots the boston red sox win right now is this an 81 win team i don't think so are there are there extra moves to be had I pray to God so, but if you don't play like a big market team, you will not get the big market players. That's it. So the moment this happened, one of our, you know, listeners was actually the first to tell me um, because I was driving and my first thought was, please tell me we just didn't do that. Please tell me. And my Twitter was blowing up with notifications. This isn't a step forward. It's not a step out of the Heimbloom era. It's another It's another risky player who really has had one good year his entire career. 
one good year, very mediocre numbers outside of 2021. Injury riddled as well the last couple of years. 2022, he missed a couple of weeks at the very start of the season due to a sore shoulder. Later that year, he missed a month with a hamstring, came back for a couple months, and then ended the, the final month of the season on the injured list with another hamstring injury. Then last season, 2023, missed two months with a lower back injury. And then uh, for the final uh, two weeks of the year, went on the injured list with a foot injury. And I've seen pictures of Tyler O'Neill all across my timelines looking like Hulk Hogan. Dude's jacked. Dude's jacked. But why isn't he as tough? Why? How, how come those muscles don't hold up? I, you know, and he's going into a very shaky outfield. Okay. I'm fairly optimistic about Yoshida. You know, the, the, the fatigue is, is still a bit of a concern. He does go on these slumps where he's dribbling ground balls to the second baseman getting thrown out. I, I think he, he's probably going to have a better year. So I'm a little bit more optimistic there. Sedan Rafaela has 83 at-bats, and he has a chase problem. He might not even make the the opening day roster. William Abreu has 78 at-bats. There is so much uncertainty with this outfield. And when Craig Breslow came in, I'm like, man, hopefully, you know, hopefully he gets it right. You've got two players out there. Teoscar Hernandez and Lourdes Gurriel, who are sure fire safe bets. There is no risk whatsoever bringing them in. Ideally, it would probably be for two years with each of them. It might have to be a third to get it done, but they're going to be young enough in that third year to, to potentially trade them. I'm just so tired of these scrap heap guys. If Tyler O'Neill was a good player, we, we wouldn't have given up. Two, two bad prospects for him. Two prospects that don't have a future in Major League Baseball. It would have cost a lot more than that if Tyler O'Neill was worth what Red Sox Twitter thinks he's worth. It, it, it's a junk trade, and I think it's a net negative when you're comparing him to Alex Verdugo. Verdugo's not going to hit as many home runs, but he's going to hit a ton of doubles. And, you know, he's going to be super clutch when you need him to be. Wait, so wait, 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 wait. Hold on. I want to stop you for two seconds. Left-handed hitter, deep right field. That's it. Not a power hitter. Okay. Right-handed hitter, power, literally looks like the Hulk, like you said, like uh, described as baby Hulk. Monster. Doubles will not be a problem for him at Fenway Park. He, he's, We're shooting this trade down, calling it a net negative. And it hasn't, he's played zero games in Boston. Verdugo is clutch. Uh, Tyler O'Neill is going to strike out far more than Alex Verdugo, for one. No question. And no let's, question, let's just check the doubles. Again, yeah, he hit, let's see, 26 doubles in, in 2021. But, and he's not going to be on the field nearly as much. It's a big time net negative. Alex Verdugo is going to have a much better year than Tyler O'Neill. He, he's playing in a Alex better. Verdugo is going to be a platoon hitter. He's not going to play every day. They already said that Verdugo will not be a starter in New York. 
I heard he is from, going to be. I heard from Aaron no, Booney who's going to be in every. I'll believe that when yeah. I see it, Charlie. Too. Who's taking I, his I spot? Don't, I don't know about that one. Where is he going? What position is he playing at fin- at Yankee Stadium? Center field, I apparently. Just, According to an Yankees, interview I saw with Aaron Boone, he's going to be the center fielder. I'll believe I it when the I same. see it. I'll believe it when I, I see it. I don't think he's going to do great in center field, but let me tell you, I think the Yankees are going to be banking on that left-handed swing doing something with a short porch in right field, and you're probably going to see Verdugo's power numbers go up, and it's going to, of course. Piss, uh, it's going to piss the hell off of Red Sox fans, 100%. Alex Verdugo has elite plate discipline. Elite. No question. There's no question. We're not debating that. And so this has all the potential to be a bottom five outfield. It really does. There's, there's, we talked about this. I agree. There's no security. So why why are we doing this in 2024? Why, why aren't we like taking care of business and making ourselves a big market team again and, and adding balance? Lourdes Gurriel in a 169 at bat sample size. Uh, admittedly, that's not huge, but it's not tiny. He's hitting 320 at Fenway Park. Yep, I, that that is a safe bet. And if you're a big market team, you're not afraid of giving that guy a three year deal. You're you're not afraid of it. And you got to look at the big picture here. Big picture. We're not getting offense at second base. We're getting we're getting a scrap heap guy with a good glove. That's what we're getting. So so not only did we possibly not adequately replace the offense we've lost out of the outfield, we know we're not getting it at second base. You're hoping for an impact guy at DH, and I don't there's no trend that suggests we're gonna get that guy. You might get JD Martinez again. Maybe we'll get Justin Turner now that Otani is going to take the DH spot in in LA. But this isn't this is an offense like I hate to say it in December in the first half of December, but I'm not ready to say we're not a playoff team, but I'm about ready to say we're not winning 90. Like I I feel like that's not happening at this point. And at this point we're not winning 90. And we're not I, a playoff. I agree team. on that. And and so why are why aren't we taking care of business? Imagine, because we're not we're because we're not spending money because we're not investing in the team. If you don't play like a big market team, you're not going to get big market players. Oh, we want to get like Soto. Do you think Soto would take a three or fifty million dollar deal? No. Otani's literally getting seventy million a year for ten years. The the Yankees and Blue Jays have set the bar high. Okay, and absolutely agree. I, I think the Yankees are a Yamamoto away from being a, a a very popular World Series pick on the American League side. I think that's probably you can't discount. If can't that discount Baltimore, or and you can't discount the Rays either. Right now, you look at your last place again. That's sick. Baltimore can make a scary trade to give themselves an edge. That's sick, and you know that will that bears watching. Toronto hasn't done anything yet, but they gave it their best with Otani. They're, so they're trying. So they're gonna they're they gonna are. do something. If I'm Vladimir Jr., I'd be like, "Hello, you know, Here, I'm open to a mega the deal." Best part. Here's the best part: is that a month and a half ago, two months ago, Shohei Otani was linked to the Boston Red Sox. Oh, this looks like a really done deal. He's got a great relationship with the head of New Balance. And the Boston Red Sox weren't even the final six teams. 
It wasn't even one of the final six. And I don't think Steve Cohen is going to let Yamamoto not play for the Mets. I really don't. Okay, you can go ahead and you can play in Boston, a team that really hasn't done anything in five years. They've been a bottom bottom of the you know division, bottom of the you know entire league team for a couple of years. They haven't even been able to play 500. We're, we're willing to spend the money. If there's another guy that you want, you tell us who you want. We'll get him. That is the difference between Steve Cohen and what we have here in Boston right now. We're, we're not, we're not going to get the big chip. So at this point, it's of the mindset of be happy with the pieces that you have, if you can call it happiness. I think it is fair to say it's a borderline reclamation project because I, again, will go back to Adrian Beltre, who was discarded as garbage and ended up coming back and then playing for nine years at the top of his game, just needed a, a reset. And who knows, what if Tyler O'Neill this year hits 30 home runs? If Tyler O'Neill hits 30 home runs, December 10th, 2023, both of you owe me an apology. I'm going to write out my note. A little over one year ago. I got it. A little over one year ago, December 3rd, 2022, a former host of this podcast tweeted these words. Staying strong as a Tyler O'Neill stand. Think he fits this Red Sox team better than Brian Reynolds at a lower cost. That tweet didn't age well. <laughs> he was a bust. Tyler O'Neill was a bust in, in 2023. It's it's not a risk worth taking. I'm just I'm tired what of the What did risks. you lose? What did you lose? You lost two stiffs. Uh, some guy named Santos okay. who's who's got bad no numbers. Name prospects we lost two nobodies but that doesn't make it okay if anything i'm like it's like when you go on the facebook marketplace and you see that 2018 ford mustang for seven thousand bucks it's like why why is it only worth seven thousand it's because it's gonna blow up on you you know two miles down the road that that's what this is that's why that package was was given up what why does it well 10 23 I'm just saying, I, I it's a terrible deal. Imagine this. It, just imagine this other scenario. Okay, 2016, Jackie Bradley had the nice, cute streak, you know, 29 games straight with a hit, and went on to hit 26 home runs, hit 276. Well, imagine trading him two years after that and the receiving team going, oh, my God, this is amazing. We've got Jackie Bradley. He was amazing three years ago. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. You know, that year was an anomaly in terms of health and in terms of performance. No other year comes close to either of those two aspects of his career. He's a 230 hitter. He's going to strike out a lot. And I just, I can't believe we, we've been doing these hot stove shows all all winter, you know, since the start of November, since since Breslow got hired, never in any conversation did Tyler O'Neill come up. The bar was higher. Nope. The bar was yeah, higher. Of course. You know, and I'm just tired of the bar being low. And it, it's just it's just a sign that everything's going to be underwhelming. 
You know, we're ta- we're still talking to Seth Lugo, Charlie. <laughs> you know, and I, I know. you hate I that. Know. You hate. You that. already know how I feel. About That's that. where you know the bar feel. is with this team. We're not acting like a big market team. This was a small market trade. Well, yeah. Go I ahead, was just going to say, I think we do need to start talking more about the big three. The big three being the big problems with the Red Sox that we've continued to see. It starts at the hip with John Henry, and then it goes to Tom Werner, and then it goes to Sam Kennedy. All three of those people have been here and have been a part of seeing this team turn into the Tampa Rays and become a cheap, oh, let's take a chance on this guy. Oh, let's not pay this much money to get whatever other player that you want. It needs to be more of a discussion because I still feel Heim Bloom was in a way set up to fail because the Red Sox and John Henry didn't give him enough of the resources still to get what he needed to do. And I feel like we're going to be in that same pattern here. Once again, with Craig Breslow, he's their guy, but if he's not going to get the authority, if he's not going to get the money, if he's not going to get the okay to get all these moves, we're basically beating our head up against a wall. So those three, I still feel like we should be talking about them more. They're a big problem in my eyes on us moving forward as a team and being the Boston Red Sox that at least the two of you guys and many of others know and love. Here's something though. And it's along those lines. Like I'm struggling to, to assign accountability here. Is this really Breslow's moves? Is he really spearheading each and every one of these deciding not to play player a this and player B that, and, and, you know, obsessing on whether it can be two years, whether it can be three years, or are there other influences in this front office that are forcing his hand that are roadblocking him from making moves he wants to make. That's why I really wanted a clean slate. You know, Brian O'Halloran, Eddie Romero, Raquel Ferreira. I think she only handles the business side of it, but you know, I just don't know how much blame to, to assign on Breslow here or ownership. This, this is not what I expected. Like the, the Craig Breslow era so far has been extremely underwhelming. Do you guys know the name? Because he's a he's a friend of mine, and he was my baseball coach for a while. That worked in the and has worked in the operations department. His name is Steve Langone. He was the traveling away scout, and he would get involved with all the different things. And he was basically Heim Bloom's go to guy with scouting reports and getting everything together. He had told me at our baseball alumni meetings from before that John Henry and Sam Kennedy both are super involved with what is happening with the team. So he had told me, and this was when Bloom got hired because he was nervous. He wasn't sure if he was going to still be there with Dombrowski and everything like that. And he said that he's nervous because he didn't know where his stance was going to be. And that was with Heim Bloom just coming in the door because they're so involved with what's going on. And I said to him, I go, I don't know if I want to believe that or not, because the moves that we're seeing here, like I kept saying, why is Dombrowski gone? He got a World Series. I thought my direct words that I said to him was I thought it was quick on the trigger. I thought it was too quick. And he said the philosophy has changed. He wants to, and that's being John Henry, wants to 
cash it in a little bit here, and he doesn't want to be giving out all these million-dollar contracts. He wants to turn things over into the raised system. So that's leading me into believing here that this same philosophy is still going on in this team, and that concerns me moving forward because if that's the case, is Craig Breslow just going to get the Hein Bloom treatment again? I mean, how's that fair to him? I don't think it is. The only thing that gives me some hope that, you know, ownership isn't forcing their hand is that not this past season, but the season before we were over the luxury tax. We didn't have to be, but we were. And then we had a chance to get under it in July. Bloom chose not to. So I, I feel like if there were ownerships from man, uh, if there were mandates from ownership, I think Bloom would have got under it last year. And, you know, there were rumors this past trade deadline that that ownership was a little upset that Bloom wasn't more aggressive to try to address some needs. So I just I just want to know that this is Breslow's team. It's his roster and, and he's making the decision and he's the ultimate authority. He hasn't replaced Brian O'Halloran's assistant GM spot yet or GM spot rather because Breslow's technically the chief baseball officer so they just brought in some pitching guy to help essentially be the guy that Breslow was in Chicago you know director of pitching whatever so I, I but it's it's frustrating and you're you're actually seeing members of the Bluminati express frustration they're like, what are we doing here? And it all hinges on Yamamoto. And I just don't know what we have to sell him on. The Yankees have Judge, Soto, and Garrett Cole. Hey, come with us. We're going to be a threat. The, the Red Sox have Rafi Devers. Uh, they have Trevor Story and Jaron Duran and Tristan Casas. That's that it's pretty underwhelming. And we don't even have an ace. We've got a bunch of number fours and fives right now. So I'm not optimistic. E even if the Red Sox are willing to be the highest bidder, I'm just not convinced that Yamamoto will will choose Boston. It, it's frustrating. I, I want to, before I forget, because I meant to put this in, I'm, I'm going to give you guys a very unpopular take here. Suddenly, suddenly... Tim Anderson is looking pretty good. I mean, he can he can put up some numbers. He didn't last year with the White Sox, but man, you know, a one-year deal, I can't stand that guy. But if he can come here and be a choir boy, uh, you know, before he goes into, you know, uh, a normal free agency period, man, I just, I hate the fact that I'm entertaining that. And the other thing, too, is throughout the Bloom era, there was always a couple of pitchers I, I didn't really want. You know, I, I can't think of an example right now, but I'm like, oh, that would be underwhelming. And then when Corey we... Kluber. No, 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 no. I never wanted, wanted Kluber. Him? No. Yeah. Okay. No, I no, never no. wanted him either. No. Even a couple of years ago, I was completely out on Kluber. 
but there was always a pitcher that was underwhelming. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want him. You know, we got to get someone better. And then when we ended up with the pitcher we did get, I'm like, man, I wish we got that other guy I thought was underwhelming. <laughs> you know, that's that's where we're at right now. And it's it's frustrating. I'm just I'm really frustrated right now and extremely pessimistic. I Like I said, your outfield is done. It is what it is. And we just have to hope for the best. We're probably not getting a lot of offense at second base. They're prioritizing a glove for that. And who knows with DH? I just we're we're not we're not going from the bloom era back into a big market mindset. And when you listen to Sam Kennedy's interview uh, a day or two after Bloom got fired, his press conference rather. He said, we're the Boston Red Sox, and the expectation is to win. That was that was baloney because we're not these moves aren't reflecting that. Haven't you learned yet with Sam Kennedy? Anytime he speaks, you just mute yourself. You know, he's nothing, he's nothing but pure propaganda, is what he spews out of his mouth. I was gonna say on the Tim Anderson thing, the reason why that screams Red Sox for him is because again, it fits their it fits their MO. It's another reclamation project. One year, oh, let's take, let's try him out. Let's see what happens here. That's what scares me as well, Terry. So I'm on the same kind of wavelength with you where it's not that such of a crazy idea because I'm sure it's already one of their things on their little dartboard that says, let's bring him here to town because we can get so him you, on the cheap. you want Tim Anderson? I don't. I don't. I'm saying that's what philosophy, I okay. think – I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence. Okay, Terry, you want Tim Anderson, who hit one home run, 25 RBIs in 123 games, and hit 245, and got punched in the face because he didn't know how to defend himself. Uh, And is, is a clubhouse cancer. He's literally like a thug. This guy has no part in Boston. And if anybody thinks that this piece of garbage should be playing in Boston, but we have issues with Tyler O'Neill, I would just ask you to look in the mirror. I'd ask anybody at this point. Tim Anderson does not belong on a baseball field. He belongs in mental health counseling for anger management problems and self-defense classes. He's I, a I punk. No He's one of the he biggest punks punk. I, in Major garbage. League Baseball. Yeah, he, he is. He's garbage. But, you know, his career numbers, pretty good. Um, he is a – am I on the right one? Uh, yeah. So 282 career hitter. 282 career hitter. Um, you know, 312 on base. De- ah, well, I was going to say decent pop. I mean, he's, you know, 17 to 20 home runs in four out of five seasons. Um, typically, he's been a, a pretty decent on-base guy. Uh, last year did a lot of damage to that, but 339 on base in 2022, 338 in 2021, 357 in uh, 2020. Small sample size, but guess what? He did it again the season before that. So, um, and and led won a batting title in 2019. So I I would entertain possibly a one year deal, maybe. Go ahead, Charlie. Absolutely not. The guy's only played one full season since 2018. I want no part of this garbage. I, I, we can pull random numbers out of a hat to try to make certain names sound sexy. 
Nick has coined the term bargains by the the barrel. Bargains, bargains full. by the bag full. Yeah, that that would be. This yeah. doesn't even qualify. This well, would be a we're doing. I hope not, Charlie. I hope not. I hope not. I don't want this, this guy either. I, I just let me say this. So low. I uh, I think he's a he's a more viable, more credible bounce back candidate than Tyler O'Neill. I 100% disagree. Based on his career I mean, numbers. Based on numbers? Based, based on, on his, numbers? I, I, I'm not going to say 2023 is the guy he's going to be for the rest of his career. I, he's got all the incentive to, to come to Boston and, and reestablish himself. Does he even like Boston? I, like, has anyone even? I don't even like Tim Anderson. I don't even like I him. I, I'm, I'm, I'm done with Anderson. Who, who's next? If Who this was, if, I can't do if it. this was a, a, if this was it, a five-year deal, Everett vibes to me. If yeah. Tim Anderson came here, it would be fans chucking their cell phones. I think I was one of them in 20, 2001. into right field or wherever he plays. He's shortstop, second base, whatever. Right at him. It would be Carl Everett two I'm just frustrated, and I I I want to look like a a winning team. I just I hate the Red Sox right now. I, so, I oh, hate wait, my oh, favorite oh, oh. team, Terrence. I hate my I favorite team. That. I don't. I know you don't mean that. We <laughs> are left with Shohei Otani's off the board now, which yeah. leaves you with Blake Snell as the premier pitcher on the board. The next big hitter. Do you know who the biggest hitter is on the open market based on 2023 numbers? Probably Jordan Montgomery, right? No, 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 oh, no, no. Hitter. A bat. Oh, hitter. Um, Justin Turner? No, 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 not former Red Sox. No. Oh, okay. Here, you Somebody's something different. Okay. I mean, I know Gurriel was high on that list, but he's no. probably not the answer. Um, oh, oh, Bellinger. Bellinger. It's Expect, okay. Expected to get over 10 years, over 200 million based on what he did last year. There are rumors that he could end in Toronto because Toronto didn't get Shohei Otani. So they've already pivoted to the next available hitter that they can get. Now, the Red Sox don't get Yamamoto and they don't get less than average Blake Snell. Who do you turn to for your top tier pitching option and your top tier hitting option? This just happened to be a really crap year for a team that wasn't prepared to open up the pocketbook because I don't think we're getting Bellinger. I don't think we're getting Snell. Steve Cohen flew to Japan. Did any of our executives fly to Japan? Did anybody go to Japan to show him the matter that much? Cashman's meeting him on the West coast. I think tomorrow. Yeah, that's with Mats, uh, Matsui and oh yeah, yeah Tanaka. Okay, yeah. Who's going for the Red Sox? Or I would line up Koji, uh, probably. But Koji, I would have to say, is in there. I'd hope um, an executive Yoshida. to be named later is is yeah is, exactly yeah. cool. Yeah. So so you have executives flying to Japan, the translator Terry flying to, to to probably with a translator. Who, who cares? It doesn't matter at this point. And then you have. And then you have executives flying to California to speak to Yamamoto. The Boston Red Sox are going to church on Sunday saying a special prayer that he comes to Boston. That's basically what it feels like. 
Yeah, I, I tell me I'm wrong. I think most likely you end up with Jordan Montgomery, and I, I'm not in love with that. Montgomery and Lugo, I guess. I mean, you could, you know, as long as Bale, like I said, takes at least a half a step forward. This is going to be your best rotation since 2019. I'm not not in love with it, but it is what it is. So let's uh, before we wrap. $700 million. <laughs> I I was wondering, I'm like, well, it'll probably hit 500. You know, he'll probably get that. You know, that was the number that was, was talked about. And I think I did see rumors, maybe 600, 700 million. 600 was an expectation. I believe you're right. 600. I seven. just, I hope this is the worst contract of all time. Uh, we we've talked about it. You know, the data isn't great for pitchers after their second, you know, Tommy John. Right. And I think it, it's that old saying where, you know, if you believe this, I've got a bridge I like to sell you. And I think Otani just sold him a $700 million bridge, which is about the going rate. I feel like, you know, in a big it's city, basically like buying a team. I mean, look back at 2002. I mean, John Henry bought the Red Sox, what, $660 million at the time? And this contract is more than that. It's insane. For a professional athlete, baseball player, who also has Tommy John. He can only hit next year. Tristan, it's crazy. Tristan Casas can have a better offensive year than Otani at just $800,000. That's all they're getting from him is offense this year due to the surgery. It, 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 if you guys really want to think about this for a second, years ago, there was an article that said that Alex Rodriguez is being paid more annually than three teams' entire 25-man rosters. I don't remember what year came out, but the Pittsburgh Pirates were on that list. I think the Athletics were on the list. And guess what? The Athletics doubled down, and they're on the list again. The Oakland A's will have a lower payroll than Otani will be getting paid in 2024 combined. What makes it better, they're not the only team. The Pittsburgh Pirates also joining them on that front. The next closest team is at $90 million, and that's the, the Kansas City Royals. I am in absolute shock, and I've talked about it with Dodgers fans. I've talked about it with Angels fans, and they, they did this like really weird like day of mourning in L.A. They took the mural down. They brought candles and stuff in Anaheim. It was just kind of creepy and stuff. You know, He's a player who was there for a couple years. He was really good for y'all, but wasn't meant to be he obviously wasn't going to be paid the way he wanted to be in anaheim or if he was it wasn't for a team that was ever going to win any playoff games shohei otani has an opportunity to win more playoff games this year than mike trout's entire career that is sad in itself the other thing is dodger fans saying that shohei otani's contract is bad for baseball should say everything and there have been a plethora of people Fairweather fans, real fans, diehard fans, 50-year fans that are all saying the same thing of, this is great, we're happy he came here, but $700 million in 2032. In 2032, the Los Angeles Dodgers will have two players on their payroll, Mookie Betts and Shohei Otani, exceeding $95 million alone, just those two guys. Just let that sink in for a second. Both of them are worth more than a billion as well. If you look at the life of their deals. Right. 
my favorite part, it was an interesting 24 hours leading up to the the actual announcement, uh, which Shohei broke himself on his Instagram saying, I'm going to the Dodgers for this amount of money. But the day before, there was a plane taking off from Santa Ana, which apparently is near where Shohei lives currently, and it was bound for Toronto. And a bunch of Redditors found this out and and hysteria started going on. Oh, my God, he, he that he could be on that plane. Maybe he's signing with the Blue Jays. And John Morosi came out with a tweet. He's very reliable, very credible. He's on MLB Network a lot. Said that his sources told him Shohei Otani is indeed on his way to Toronto. So everybody thinks that Shohei Otani is on this plane. And it was scheduled to land at 4.30 p.m. And I think I found out at about 2.30. So now I'm waiting a couple hours. Shohei was at home in L.A. on his couch. The person who was on the plane, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. Uh, I forget his last name. It's hard to pronounce. But it was Robert from Shark Tank. One of the sharks oh, from Robert Shark Kurt, Tank. Kurt, uh, Robert Kershvitz. No. Yep. I, I don't know. Now I have to look I it know. It's, he's, he's got a funny name, but he ended up having a post on Twitter where he's like, oh, just sign my amazing uh, contract, whatever, with Toronto. I, I can't pronounce the last name either. Yeah. Nick was actually closer than I thought. Robert uh, Herjavec or something like that. Herjavec. Yeah. Herjavec. Yep. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, so I'm. I only recently, in the last three or four months, have watched that show, and it's usually a marathon on Sunday nights, and I, I, I'll watch a lot of it. So and so, it's hilarious that he was the guy on the plane. You know, it's like Scooby Doo when Make they me a deal when they take the mask off. You know, <laughs> and it ended up being uh, Robert and not Otani. So that was hilarious, and part of me was kind of hoping. I'm like, you know. I'm good with him going to the Blue Jays. I'm good with him being in the American League East because hopefully with the Yankees doing what they've done and and perhaps the Blue Jays landing Otani, maybe then the Red Sox, if not this year, but going forward will, you know, start acting like those two teams. So I just... uh, yeah, everybody else is getting the the nice new toys and we're shopping at Goodwill. No, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> no offense. I'm pretty frugal and I buy a lot of stuff on uh, Facebook Messenger. So it's all good. Facebook Messenger, I mean, uh, Facebook Marketplace. Um, I don't buy anything brand new. The first, the first five or six years of this podcast was done on an $80 laptop I bought at a pawn shop. So that shows you how how cheap I am. So anyway, Terry, I was going to say last thing. I don't know if we even said would all of us have wanted the Red Sox to give no. Otani 700 million. I would be no. <laughs> it, it would ruin the team. I think you. I think we talked about it before, but you, you need so much. I wouldn't just bank on one player to make a team better. That's just how that's just how I roll. Yeah, I um, I I would never give any player that contract. If Mike Trout isn't worth four hundred twenty-five million dollars, and I thought that that might be a 
that might be a pretty good contract over the life of it. If and he's broken down and it's looking bad at the moment. If he's not worth that money, nobody is. So I'm in agreement. All right, we will wrap on that. We are going to do another episode uh, immediately after this one. It'll be released the same day. Um, Alex Cora rumors, sort of, um, a report came out today on Sports Illustrated. It was comments from Bob Nightingale that a lot of teams are interested in Alex Cora and his contract next year presuming that the Red Sox don't extend him could exceed the recent record-breaking contract set by Craig Council which was five years 40 million so that's eight million per year that council's getting Cora expected to get more or did somebody leak that did somebody leak that to maybe leverage Cora a bigger deal we don't know, but we will cover it on the next episode. Everyone uh, have a good start to your Monday. Take care.